The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. Hello, hello, it's uh, 6.32. Yeah, you know what, it's, uh, it's Tuesday. We're here, you're here, so it's going to be a good evening as we get into this, another edition of our good pal Chris Justice is here. He's uh, spreading all the wealth knowledge when it comes to employment law matters. You'll want to reach out, you can do so. Call us right now, we'd love to get you on the show and asking your questions. That's why we do this, that's why we do this all week long. 416-870-6400, again, 416-870-6400. To get on the phone, talk to us now live. You want to reach out to uh, Mr. Justice afterwards. Easy. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, 1-855-821-5900 is how that is done. Plus, you can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, free and anonymous website. You'll learn lots there as well. On the show this evening, we'll get to a couple things in between the calls, uh, things that an employment lawyer can do that you probably can't. And if we got time, top myths of termination. we got three of those. And maybe some emails, uh, but that's in between all the phone calls, which, by the way, you can start uh, dialing in now, 416-870-6400. Chris, what's, uh, what's going on, pal? What do you got for the week? That was the case of the day. Yeah, good evening. So the, uh, the case of the topic of the day today uh, comes from a story in the news yesterday that I saw regarding RBC and how they're raising wages for some of the lower paid staff in order to keep some of the talent they have. Uh, with increased competition. Uh, a lot of employers uh, have done this, of course, in the past. And uh, this is definitely one of those situations. Uh, so while RBC is certainly able to increase somebody's pay, uh, I just want to make a point that there is no law requiring employers to give somebody regular wage increases, even though they may think they're not getting paid the most money in the world. Uh, the employer just simply needs to uh, comply with the minimum wage laws at the very least. Um, however, if we take the inverse of this RBC story and kind of flip it to where an employer actually cuts your pay, uh, that is very much a different situation and something that unfortunately has affected a lot of people uh, in my practice anyways. And people need to definitely realize that employers cannot do this. They cannot generally come to you and simply cut your pay, even if they're making a justification for why they're doing it. Maybe they're saying it's a business related reason. Um, but simply put, people need to know that when there are significant changes made to the terms of their employment and they actually get a pay reduction, uh, that they have uh, uh, choices, a choice to make, whether they want to accept that change or if not, they can push back and potentially trigger the same rights they would have as if they were terminated and go after a severance package. So um, definitely want to make sure no one's out there assuming that these things can happen and it's definitely going to be a situation where you'd want to talk to a lawyer uh, sooner rather than later because you don't want to be seen as accepting the pay by waiting a long period of time before making an issue out of it, for sure. Um, there was one other point I just wanted to raise from the story or along this, uh, this topic, and that's about being wary of your employer asking you to sign a contract in order to get a pay raise. So sometimes employers will promise a pay raise or maybe promise a one-time bonus, but before they give it to you, They'll want you to sign a document in the middle of your employment. And you may at the time be thinking, oh, I'm going to get a pay raise. This is great. I'm going to get a bunch more money. 
And you may not actually realize that whatever document is being put in front of you could have some fine print in it that uh, does some more damage to you later on down the line and sort of outweighs any increase that you may have gotten as a result. Yeah, anytime something that comes across your desk, you want to have it checked out, send it to Chris ahead of time. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Don't be signing nothing until you talk to Chris and his team. Want to get to our uh, first call for the night. Uh, that would be Matt. Matt, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? <clears throat> Beauty, what's on your mind? Uh, the, my wife, being a nurse, she was in union. The union sent her a letter. She will not defend her, and she was terminated because she will not uh, take the vaccine after 38 years. So I know you can't represent people that have, were are in the union. I just didn't know where to go from there. Yeah, Matt, it's uh, unfortunately a situation I've uh, definitely heard of a number of times since uh, these companies were implementing all of these vaccine policies. And, and you're correct that uh, for the most part, I do non-unionized work. Um, usually the starting point for these situations is to contact your local union rep. And there's also going to be a collective bargaining agreement that I'm sure your wife uh, has or can get it access to. Um, so just quick question though, Matt, did your wife uh, go to the union and ask them to present a grievance on her behalf? Yes. Yes. Three times. And she's a union, was a union steward. Wow. Oh, and, and they still and the threw her U- under the bus. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's obviously very unfortunate. I don't know the exact reason as to why uh, the union wouldn't help. Um, Doug the one Ford thing tied their hands. That's what they said. Doug Ford and the provincial conservatives said we cannot. No union could uh, go against the mandates. Fair enough. I, I usually what happens when an employee, or I should say, an individual uh, believes their union is not representing their best interests they can file what's called uh, a duty of fair representation claim actually against the union. Uh, and again, okay, take, you- take uh, well, that might be something that, that you want to cite or look at the collective bargaining agreement for. There might be some process described in there where you may not believe your union's doing the best for you. And, and I believe there should be some recourse or, or appeal option there. Again, I'm, I'm not a union law um, specialist no, per no. se. But, but that might be one other step you could take. I do know that, unfortunately, when it comes to people fighting against their union for not representing them fairly, that the odds aren't exactly the greatest for the individual, unfortunately. But you really need to uh, generally exhaust that avenue first before you start considering other options. So I would say start there. And if that doesn't work, maybe give me a call and uh, we can hopefully see what else can be done. Matt, appreciate your time. Good luck with that. Uh, again, any uh, further questions you have for uh, for Chris, you can ask him. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you got something else to bring up before we get into our topics, Chris, uh, go for it. If not, we'll move into our, uh, our, our uh, content for the, the night. What do you think? Yeah, let's get to the first main topic for sure. You bet. Again, uh, things that an employment mm-hmm. lawyer can do that, uh, well, you probably can. Number one, and this is the biggest one, why we started the show, Number one, secure a fair severance package. Yeah, so unfortunately, unless you are specifically in a position where you've got a lot more leverage uh, and wherewithal, say compared to the average, we'll call it layperson, uh, you're generally speaking not going to, as an individual, be able to secure as fair of a package on your own. Uh, A lot of times uh, I've found that when individuals do try to negotiate a package on their own, they could very well easily say or do something that affects the negotiations themselves and puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. For example, 
um, they may not actually know what the true value of their case is, you know, what, what is fair and reasonable in the, in, in the particular case. They may think that a week or two for every year is sufficient and have that guide them in the negotiation process with their employer. And then later on, if they decide to then retain the services of a lawyer, well, there's all this history that's already happened. The employer may have an idea of what it is they're prepared to accept and then that can take a lot of leverage away from the lawyer who might be representing you. So it's definitely a risky uh, sort of endeavor to, to negotiate yourself, not to say it can't be done. Uh, but for the most part, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get the same kind of a package as you would if a lawyer gets involved. Um, furthermore, you may actually have to commence a lawsuit, in which case it's going to be extremely disadvantageous for you to do all on your own, even if it's small claims court, which is normally... Uh, supposed to be set up for you know individuals and not really involve lawyers. Even that process can be complicated, and so particularly in those cases, you're going to want to have some legal counsel representing you. Yeah, I know. We often tell people to uh, head over to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and use a severance calculator, which has been there for a long time. Over two million people right. have, have have logged in and used that. But that is that is a realistic guideline of what you wrote. It does not give you carte blanche to go and and you know go after your employer, as you said, sans lawyer, and hopefully get everything you can. That'll give you a severance offer, but there may be uh, intricacies in that severance that you don't know about, bonuses, uh, st- stuff that could be owing you on top of just your severance, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, every situation can be different. You you could have one situation where you're with an employer for just a few months and get a really large severance package and be in another situation where you might be with your employer for 10 years. And well, I don't say this is very common. There might be a contract you sign that could limit you in that case, and you might get much less than you think. So it really does come down to the facts of each case. And yeah, all the more reason why you want to consult with an expert in the area before taking an action one way or another. Again, 416-870-6400. you got lots of time to call in still this evening, ask your questions about these topics or anything that crosses your mind. That's why we're doing it four days a week plus Saturday. Number two is this, uh, things that your employment lawyer can do. You probably can't with very much accuracy or success, and that is evaluate your employment contract. There you go. Yeah. So depending on the contract, it could be very complicated. Other contracts I've seen are very simple and straightforward. Uh, However, there could be a lot of terminology in your contract that you may not understand, uh, especially when it comes to the legal effect that those words could have on your rights, you know, whether it's now or at a later date in the future. Um, So that's definitely something a lawyer could help you out with. And even if you think that the contract is understandable, uh, it doesn't actually necessarily mean the words of that contract will have the effect that they're sort of intending on having. Um, and if there's any uncertainty or any ambiguity in terms of how a contract is interpreted or looked at, that might create even more of a sort of a legal question mark as to what is the case. Um, and of course, one of the most important terms of any employment contract, in my view, is the termination clause. You know, a lot of people who start a new job, you know, the last thing on their mind is going to be, you know, how much am I getting on my way out? Usually they're focusing on how much am I getting paid? How many hours do I have to work? uh, What's my vacation time like? So the termination clause is likely one of the things that's last on their mind. But really understanding a clause like that and and understanding, you know, how it could affect you down the road, you know, could be you getting eight weeks versus as much as two years of severance uh, could be very crucial. And so that's definitely one focal point that I always zone in on. And 
again, just another reason why you want to have a specialist in the area review any contracts, certainly before you sign them. And I guess the flip side of that too is, I mean, you know, someone, the, the layperson may look at that contract and think it's all very strict and legal. And you might take one look and say, yeah, okay, someone downloaded this off Google. It's not worth the paper it's written on. But the person who's not a lawyer would not know that, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they may look at the contract. They may think, oh, this seems all above board. They've mentioned, <laughs> you know, this piece of legislation or they're saying they're going to comply with this law. And they may just think nothing of it. And really, you know, it can really come down to even a misplaced comma or word or phrase wow. that can sort of spoil the whole thing, which which could be very much to the individual's benefit. Yeah. Um, so it is a tricky thing. I mean, even lawyers themselves don't actually know all the answers to these contractual issues. And so that's just, again, just for the reason why you don't want to necessarily put it all in your hands and assume your understanding is the correct one. And with that, we'll uh, take a short break. Got a couple more points under this topic to cover. And, of course, now's the time for you to pick up that phone while you have time. 416-870-6400, the Tuesday night edition of the Employment Law Show continues. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And welcome back indeed. Yeah, you still got time. As mentioned, 416-870-6400. Chris Justice is here. Courtesy Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Always getting back to our topics, but your phone calls are first. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. How are you, pal? Good, thank you. How are you? Beauty. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, thanks for taking the call. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thanks, uh, man. I'm, I'm a paralegal student. In Toronto, I'm wondering, I'm just finishing up my course, uh, but I'm, I'm not licensed. I'm unlicensed. I wonder if I can take, if I can help a friend or family member with a wrongful dismissal as an agent, possibly. Someone who is constructively dismissed. Pretty uh, open and shut case, but I'm wondering how to approach it with small claims court. Chris, what do you think, pal? Oh, sorry about that. Um, Tony, were you saying that you were a paralegal? Or sorry, that you are or that you're becoming a paralegal? I'm becoming one, but my licensing exam has not happened yet. I've uh, completed the necessary schooling to to understand the process, but I've never uh, worked. I've never done this on my own. Yeah, I won't be licensed until November. Okay. And are you, uh, sorry, are you thinking of commencing an action in small claims court, you said? Yes, in small claims court. Okay, so normally uh, you're going to have to be a paralegal before you can represent someone in small claims court. Uh, There are some exceptions where, for example, a friend, a family member, or even a neighbor could represent you, um, but they can't charge a fee. And I think they have to be able to provide legal services within the jurisdiction of a paralegal. So I think if you don't have the ability to perform the services of a paralegal technically at this point, even if you aren't a paralegal, um, but rather just a family or friend, a family member or friend rather, um, I don't believe you can do that. Um, so I, I think that probably answers the question there. 
I see. I was a little confused because I do let people stop represent, but then I end up, yeah, I was wondering if I could do it uh, free without charge, but looks like no one. Yeah, I mean, the, I was saying earlier actually in the show that the small claims court is generally designed for uh, the, say, the average layperson. Uh, and, and you can be a self represented person. But I think that, from my understanding, anyways, you've got to get the actual plaintiff, the one who's bringing forward the case, to be the main advocate. And then you may actually be able to assist them to some degree. Um, but that's going to come down to the rules of the small claims court, which, uh, to be honest, offhand, I don't know 100%. Um, but hopefully that answers it. And actually, Tony, if you want to follow up with me after the after the show, I can look into this further for you and get you an answer. Tony, appreciate the call, brother. And here's the number to reach Chris and uh, get some more details afterwards. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's get back into that uh, topic uh, for tonight, or at least part of one of two topics. Anyway, things that an employment lawyer can do that you probably can't. Number three, make sure you don't give up your legal rights because that is super easy to do. If you don't watch out for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a very generic statement to be fair. So it can really apply to a whole number of circumstances. Sure. You know, it could apply to your rights going into a working relationship. It could apply to your rights during the actual working relationship itself or at the time or after your relation, that relationship ends. Um, so, you know, whether it's, again, we are talking about reviewing a contract and making sure you understand the terms of the contract. And, and not signing away potentially rights that you have. You know, that would be one example. Or maybe some changes happened in the middle of your employment and you don't really think anything of it. You let time pass, like I was saying uh, earlier as well on the show. Um, you want to make sure you touch base with a lawyer before, you know, waiting too long there. Or maybe you do get terminated and your employer offers you a severance package and again, thinking that it's fair and reasonable, you know, it's in line with the legislation, you think nothing of it, you sign the papers, the release that they want you to sign, and then you find out later on that actually your common law rights for severance are significantly more than what you were offered or, or what you accepted. And now it's going to be next to impossible to go back and reverse that signature on the papers that you signed. So you want to make sure at any stage of the relationship, really, if there's something fundamental going on, some kind of a change uh, something you're being asked to sign. Um, you never know how, how your rights can be affected by any little action that you might take. Um, so again, just another reason why you want to contact a lawyer and, and make sure all those um, T's are crossed and I's dotted. Let's get to one more of these, the things that an employment lawyer can do that you probably can't, and that is uh, give your employer the proverbial kick in the pants when they need it. Yeah, so sometimes employers, um, in my experience, I've heard, will try to take advantage of certain individuals uh, who they, they employ. And again, these individuals may not exactly know their rights uh, without the involvement of a lawyer or perhaps uh, without the threat of litigation, they're not going to really be able to get anywhere. Um, many employers will just simply continue with whatever course of action they're taking against the individual and so in those cases, a lot of times it does take a lawyer to sort of step in and, and set the record straight, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and again, when it comes to employers offering severance packages to those on their way out, um, the vast majority of times, this is not going to be uh, enough. This is not going to be sufficient severance for you. Um, and so you need to speak with a lawyer. And uh, I mean, look, for all the people that I speak to on a daily basis about their legal issues, I can only imagine the amount of people that I don't speak to who just think nothing of it, think they yeah. don't need legal advice, yeah. sign some paper, 
accept some form of severance. And so on that, you know, by that token, I understand why a lot of employers start very low, for example, when it comes to severance packages, because I'm sure probably 80% of the population accepts it. And then for the 20% that don't that speak to me or speak to my colleagues, that's when we kind of push and and force the issue. And for the most part, these employers ultimately come up in their numbers. But unfortunately, it just has to it takes getting a lawyer involved. Um, to kind of get that extra little bit that you're owed, um, whether you have to actually sue for it or or whether you can resolve it without the need for litigation at all. Last couple minutes of the show, I want to get to a couple of these, the top myths of termination. There's so many, but uh, here's one of them for you. Uh, Chris, your boss can only let yeah. you go if they have a good reason to. Mm. Yeah. So again, this is something I, I speak to a lot of people about. They feel as though they're um, unfairly terminated, that you know maybe they got into a quarrel with their boss or maybe their boss doesn't like them and they just feel like they've been, and I've heard this word used, discriminated against. And, and I don't think they mean discriminated in terms of, you know, on the basis of their age or their gender or their race, but more so treated differently, um, treated in, in a way differently. And, and that may just be for for reasons due to a clash of personalities, um, you know, so there could be a whole number of things that happen where an employer says, you know what, long term, this isn't looking good. We can't have this friction and we've got to let you go. And that in a lot of cases, in the vast majority of cases, can be a perfectly good reason uh, to let somebody go. Uh, maybe you're being told that there's a restructuring happening and they got to let you go. Or maybe you're being told that you cost too much money for the company to keep employing you. Uh, again, these are all valid reasons for a termination. What you really need to, for the most part, focus on um, is whether or not the severance package you're being offered is fair and reasonable. Not so much whether the termination itself was was fair and reasonable, because for the most part it is. Now, of course, that's not to excuse actual discrimination or bad faith conduct. And there definitely are cases where the the way or the manner in which someone's terminated um, can be more relevant and can actually lead to additional compensation. But generally speaking, employers have very wide latitude and a, a very generally wide ability to let somebody go as long as it's connected usually to some sort of a business reason. Last couple of minutes, let's get to this one kind of dovetails to what you were just saying, and that is top myth of termination. When you were let go, you receive only, eh, well, you know, one or two weeks of severance pay for every year. That's normal. Yeah. So sort of like you say, going back to what I was talking about earlier, people may uh, look at their contract and see there to be a reference to the Employment Standards Act, or they may have a discussion with their employer and they're told that they get a week or two of severance based on every year they've worked. And that's that's how the law operates. And so a lot of these people I speak to that come to me, they're sort of coming to me with, you know, a misperception of what the law actually says, or maybe only with part of the facts or part of the information. And they don't realize that it's possible for someone to get a month for every year of service. It's possible for someone to get more than a month for every year of service. It's also technically possible for someone to get one or two weeks of service. So there really isn't an exact science. Again, it's going to come down to each case on a case by case basis. But, you know, just to have a blanket one or two weeks per year of service is, you know, absolutely a myth. Uh, and, and a lot of times and probably more often than not, someone's entitlements are, are much more than that. Um, so, again, not an assumption you're going to want to make because you could you could potentially walk away with two years of severance. And uh, I don't know how many years you'd have to work to get one or two weeks for every year before you hit two years, but it's probably a, a lot of time. And that's just simply not the case. Um, so, so yeah, there's no exact science and it'll come down to things like your age, you know, how long you've been at the company, 
what position you held when you were let go, you know, what kind of jobs are out there available like the one you had. Um, and going back to what we said earlier, uh, to some extent, maybe what effect the contract that you signed has on your termination entitlements or rights. And with that, we are just about done. Back in here, of course, Wednesday and Thursday night. So join us then. And uh, speaking of severance, you want to find out a much more accurate number than what the uh, ex-employee employer is telling you. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca has a severance pay calculator right there. And uh, reaching out to Chris now that we're done, one 855 821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you tomorrow night at 6.30. Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Entertainment.